0: If you've been around, you know that we've been in a series for not 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, but 12 weeks. We've been reading through the book of Ephesians and today is the grand finale. 12 weeks through these six chapters, 2,500 words or so, the Apostle Paul has written this letter to this church in Ephesus where he is training them and showing them how to have incorruptible love for God. Think about Love for God that is unchanging no matter the circumstances, the season of life that we may be in. That's what we have been focusing in on in this series. And a lot of us are coming out of spring break and we need a little bit of a refresh. And so that's why we made these. This is a recap of the series. If you didn't get one on the way in, please take one, two, three, four, five, as many as you want. Use them as bookmarks, give them to friends. This is a summary of all of our weeks and it's a good recap of the book. So you can put this someplace for you to look at, be encouraged, and remember there's some questions here too for us to be challenged by as we continue to have this incorruptible love for God. So let's do a really quick recap here. We started in uh, first week, we looked at identity, how God chose us. We did not choose him first. He chose us. We made the team before trying out the second Uh, week we looked at prayer. Paul utters this beautiful prayer and he teaches us how to have an incorruptible prayer life. And then week three we looked at our story, how God is the hero of our story, how he brought us out of darkness into the light. A lot of what we celebrate during encounter weekend also. And then the fourth week, incorruptible peace, how God left the comfort of his throne and the security of his temple. He broke down the barriers that separated us and moved from the temple into our hearts to bring us peace. That's what those verses in Ephesians chapter two taught us. And then Ricardo Bisset, our pastor from Cuba, came, our ministry partner, and taught us about incorruptible power, how to not give up. that God can do more than we could ever imagine. And then we flipped into the second part of the book in chapter four, where Paul teaches us how to have this incorruptible love for one another. And uh, unity is how he starts. Really important for us, his people, the church, to be united and then living, incorruptible living, how to take off the old... And put on the new every day. And then we looked at three sets of relationships. We looked at marriage. We looked at parenting and work relationships. How to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then last week, we had incorruptible strength. We looked at how to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power as we put on the armor of God. And this week, we're ending on friendship, friendship. So before we go any further, We've looked at our theme verse, which is gonna be in the middle circle there. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with incorruptible love. Church, we are trained up, we are equipped. Let's love God with an incorruptible love. And this week, we're closing with friendship. Two things, though, that uh, I've learned from this series. One is it's really cool to to look at the context of a verse uh, and and see how it fits with the surrounding verses. So uh, I have this concentric circle here on the screen and we've been really walking this Uh, through this book in an exegetical, in in an expository way where we've looked at a verse and, and how it fits within the chapter and how it fits within the book and then the Testament, the New Testament. These are concentric circles of context. So this is just a great way for us to read the Bible. Commentaries are really cool and they're really great, but the best way to read the Bible is in context with the Bible, so what does the verse teach us and then how does that relate to the chapter or the paragraph that it is in and then the book as a whole, this book is specifically the book of Ephesians and then as it relates to the New Testament, New Testament being that Jesus has come and, and he lived a perfect life and then he ascended into heaven after his resurrection and the Holy Spirit descended into our hearts so that we now can live uh, with God and for God. So that's the first thing that, that I really learned from this series. And the second is that this book is incredibly personal. It was personal 2000 years ago, but it is also incredibly personal and relevant for us today. It's relational. It teaches us this incorruptible love that we're to have for God and, and this incorruptible love that we're also to have for one another. And so I think it's really cool that Paul ends with these words. Uh, I wanna start reading in chapter uh, verse 21, chapter six. And remember, we just talked about spiritual warfare. So he just laid it on us and said, hey, there's spiritual forces out there that wanna tear you down, but stand firm in who God made you to be. Put on the armor of God. And then he says, but that you also may know about my circumstances, Paul writes, how I am doing. He sends his buddy Tychicus. Can we all say that together? Because that's not a word or a name we say often. Here we go. Tychicus. And one more time, just for giggles. Tychicus. I know. Isn't that cool? Tychicus. You don't know about, we don't read a lot about Tychicus, but Paul's friend Tychicus is about to teach us about friendship. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make Everything known to you, I have sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you may know about us and that he may comfort your hearts. Paul's friendship with Tychicus is going to teach us how to have incorruptible friendship. And this is so important. I, y'all, I was ready to skim through it. You know, have you ever read a part of the Bible where you're like, oh, okay, I got it. This is one of those because Paul normally ends his letters with personal greetings and he greets individual people and he kind of says, hey, so-and-so is going to come to you. In fact, in Colossians, he, he also says Tychicus is coming. And, and so it's easy to just read right through, but it's awesome how four times you see the word no. And that's what stopped me. And I thought, we gotta, we gotta dig into this and, and really see what the scriptures are teaching us because we have a big problem in our culture when it comes to friendship. Real friendship is being known and knowing others. And we have some key keys to friendship that... that uh, Paul and Tychicus teach us that I want to talk about this morning. But first, let me tell you about some of the issues that we're having as a culture uh, right now. Harvard did a study that says that we are lonelier than ever before. 36%, actually, they said in this research study that we're experiencing frequent loneliness and, and, and feeling this sense of isolation. If you're between the ages of 18 and 25, that bumps up to 61%. When, when we feel like we're all alone and we know that we can be in a crowded room of people and still, and still feel totally alone. And it makes sense, doesn't it? When we've gotten used to words like social distancing and self-isolation and shelter in place, that now as a culture, we are experiencing these symptoms. And, And just hear me out, that may be you in here, very well may be you in here. But if that's not you in here, I guarantee you that is way more prevalent out there. And I do believe that God wants to use his people to be good friends for a lost and lonely world out there. And so loneliness is a big problem that friendship solves in chapter two of Genesis. God says that the very first problem is not sin. The very first problem is that man is alone. So that's why Eve comes into the picture. And, and, and solves loneliness and, and brings about the institution of marriage and how to depend and do life with one another. The second problem is that we have friendships, but a lot of our friendships are shallow. Let's just be honest. That's what our world teaches us uh, about friendship. Friendship is shallow. Let me uh, give you a couple of examples. When was the last time that you told somebody, hey, we should get together for coffee or hey, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll hang out and uh, it didn't happen. Maybe a few of us are honest about, about that. And, and why do we do that? Because we are very friendly on the outside, but then when we start talking about how we are really doing, we're not too good at, at, at being open and raw and honest, like Emily was, was just with, with all of us. It's hard to be vulnerable. It's hard to be transparent with people. When we get to this as we talk about these keys. And and you know what uh, it's called when we say we're going to do something and we don't do it? It's called lying. We lie. We're not honest. Yeah, we'll get together at some point. I'm guilty of it too. I'm like, yeah, we'll get together. And then like months go by, like we haven't gotten together, have we? I didn't call you this week, did I? I am so sorry. We need to learn how these verses, how the word of God teaches us how to be Friends, I wanna quickly spotlight a a big resource, a new book that came out. If you're in Abide, you're doing a study from Jenny Allen. She just came out with a really cool book called Find Your People on friendship. And I wanna give you quickly the five ingredients that she Says are uh, important to have long and lasting friendships, their pro- proximity. So geographic closeness, church, that's us. You know, I know some of us are on the live stream and, and that's great, but, but we, we, we need to be close to one another physically. Vulnerability, again, hard for us because we have like soft outer shells, but then really hard inner shells. And then accountability, the willingness to lovingly call each other out. We need mission, this, this sense of uh, calling, and philosophy for living in consistency. So five ingredients, proximity, vulnerability, accountability, mission, and consistency. And it's cool because you'll see how they tie in to this friendship that Paul and Tychicus have. So Tychicus, who is this guy? Well, we learn about him in Acts and in Colossians and in 2 Timothy and here in Ephesians, and he's with Paul. Paul's in Rome, and he's actually in prison. So he's writing this letter to the Ephesians, and he actually wrote Colossians, and he wrote Philemon, and he sent all three letters to, uh, with Tychicus and uh, Onesimus. Onesimus. I want to say Onesimus, but that's not right. It's Onesimus. And uh, parents, if you're looking for good names for your kids... Tychicus, Onesimus, I'm just saying, they're biblical. Uh, Onesimus was a former slave and and he actually is going to his uh, old master, Philemon and Paul in this beautiful one chapter letter book in the New Testament, you should read it this afternoon, reconciles that relationship. Beautiful story. So Tychicus and Onesimus are being sent out by Paul, they're the letter couriers, to send this letter to Colossians, this letter to Ephesians that we've been reading in 12, uh, for 12 weeks, and Philemon. So that's who Tychicus is. Let's now dive into the text and see what these four keys to friendship are. Let's start again in verse 21. But that you also may know about my circumstances, how I am doing. So caring. He cares. Paul is saying, I want you to know because I care for you. I want you to know about how I am doing, my circumstances so locally. I I care locally, my circumstances, and personally how I am doing. See, here's one of the problems with some of our friendships. When we talk to our friends, we talk about things that are happening way out there in the world, even in sports, they're shallow, small talk. It's not all bad, but when we stay there, we don't go to the problems that we can actually influence. You know, we don't go to the deep things that we can be in with one another. We stay on that shallow. Uh, uh, we talk about the world circumstances versus our personal circumstances. And then personally, how we are doing. When I worked in Washington, D.C. and we went out and and met up with friends and met with people, the number one question, and if you've lived in a city in a very career-oriented place, you know this, the number one question that you are asked is, what do you do? What do you do? And why do we ask that question? Well, to network, that's not bad. We want to see, hey, what do you do? And and how can I help you? And how how can you help me? That's really good. But the bad thing is that we're now labeled by what we do versus how we are. And a good friend cares about how you are doing, not only what you are doing or what you do for a living. We need to care personally. Because bottom line, and I learned this uh, early on in, in ministry, that people won't care how much you know, how much you have to share, unless, you know this, they know how much you care. So if you truly want to influence someone, care about how they are doing, not just about what they are doing. We looked at this in parenting, do you remember? We need to look at our kids, if you have kids, and focus on who they are becoming versus only their disobedience and all the things that they should be doing and they are not doing. And it's hard to care also because we're imperfect and we hurt one another. Actually, the closer that we are to one another, the more we know each other's sins, and not in a confession type way, but the more we start getting irked and and, and hurt by the personality traits or the bad habits that we may have, and the easier it is to distance ourselves from people, and that may be where you are at right now. You're saying, Jose, I don't want to even think about friendship because I've been burned so bad. I don't want to trust anyone." In Ephesians 4.32, Paul writes, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave. You see, forgiveness does not mean forgetting. We can have healthy friendships. We can put good boundaries, but forgiving means not counting other people's sins against them, Not replaying the wound in our mind that is blocking us from caring about them personally. In 2 Corinthians 5, 19, this verse will be on our screens. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So God is omni, omni, omniscient, he, he knows all things. He can't forget our sins. He just doesn't count our sins against us. And so he says he gave us this very same message of reconciliation. And so maybe for you, it's reconciling with an old friend and establishing that care that was once there. That's the first key is care. Let's continue reading. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make everything known to. You How cool, imagine being on the receiving end of this, like Tychicus just passed on the letter, it's being read out in an assembly just like this and in Ephesus and you're like, ooh, Tychicus, you're gonna make everything known to me? Now, it's very important that we recognize that he's not revealing anything that we don't already know from scripture. So everything that God revealed to us is right here. There's no extra biblical uh, 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 inspiration out there, it's right here, but you know what I think? Everything meant, I think it meant that Tychicus was candid with the church in Ephesus, that, that he reminded them of Ephesians 1:15, which says, for this reason, Paul writes, ever since I heard about your faith, meaning the faith in Ephesus and the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving Thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And Tychicus is over here telling him, like when he wrote that he was on his knees and he was filled with gratitude for you and he really meant it. Paul is the real deal because the Bible teaches us that this is, is real people, real issues that were real then, and they are real now. Tychicus was, or Paul is being candid uh, with Tychicus, and Tychicus, I believe, is being candid with uh, the people. He's being authentic. And also authentic means revealing what God is doing in your heart and in your life I spoke to one of our community group leaders just this week over the phone and and uh, she was telling me how she has been praying for an opportunity to share her story of what God is doing right now in her life with other people around her whoa that was challenging <laughs> like I need to start praying that. Two, that's what this authenticity means is allowing people to see that messiness and then see how God is reconciling and how God is transforming us right now in this season. And it also means being honest. So candid means being real with what is going on in somebody else's life. A problem that we have in our culture says if you're a friend, you, you just got to tell them what they want to hear. Just be a cheerleader and say, yeah, yeah, you keep on doing that thing that's leading you to the grave. Yeah, you keep on talking about that person. They per- that person, you know, deserves the worst. You know, th- what this is saying is we need to be honest and say, nope, that, that's not who you are. And if you're in a relationship with someone that you're the one better than someone on a stage like me to tell them, hey, there's a better way. I want the best for you. So let's change the way that we talk about that person. Let's change the way that we live. Let's find freedom in that addiction or in that habit. I am here for you. That's what a real friend does, confronts us. And if you're not doing that to them, don't expect them to do that for you either. We need to be candid friends. So Ephesians 4 taught us to speak the truth in love. A lot of us are really good at speaking the truth. Man, we know, strike, wrong, black, white, you know, like one or the other. A lot of us are really, really good. And then a lot of us are really, really good at just speaking love. And what Paul is saying, it's both. Speak the truth in love. Be authentic and be real. Be Honest with one another. That's what I believe everything here means that Tychicus is uh, doing for the Ephesians. The third is this in verse 22 I have sent him to you for this very purpose. So Tychicus, like we talked about before, Tychicus is being sent. He's being commissioned to this church in Ephesus and uh, this church in Colossae and and Philemon. uh, uh, Oh shoot, I did it. One No, it's Onesimus, Onesimus, he was sent with Onesimus and they traveled over 1,100 miles in their journey. I Google mapped their trajectory and it would take us today about eight days to do that via foot and ferry. Their boats are not as fast as our ferry, so it would take them weeks, if not months. We are called to be sent into our uh, friendships. We're on mission. And if you have a shallow friendship that you want to deepen, here's a quick word of advice go on mission with that person. Maybe go overseas that'd be a great thing. In fact, Rob and Eric, we prayed over them last week. They hadn't been on a mission trip together and I knew that, you know, Eric was going to see some things that I know about Rob that was probably going to bug him, but he was they were going to encourage each other and here's a picture of them. They're in Thailand. Look how happy Eric looks and look at Rob. Rob's like, "Man, I'm stuck on a boat in Thailand with this guy. And and so the cool thing is is that I am sure, now that's all joking aside, I am sure that their friendship is deepening as they're on mission with one another, as as they're traveling through Thailand and this other nation uh, on mission for Jesus through hard places and hard circumstances. But you don't need to go across the world. You can just go across the street to be on mission. See? Our issue um, is that we are insular. We focus on just our friends' needs and, and we just try to build each other up and be good buddies and, and do life together. And, and if we're the body of Christ, the living and active body of Christ, we're called to go out and make disciples of all nations and talk to our neighbors about the love of Jesus and be the love of Jesus for those that don't know him, for those that need help. It was Jesus that came to rescue us and he invites us on that we need to go the distance for the people and with people when we lived in DC we had these neighbors and uh, they may be watching online because we saw them two weeks ago. And so you guys know who you are. If you're watching, awesome. I hope I'll text you later or I'll send you the link. So you will see this. That's what I'll do. Here's the thing. Here's the whole story. Uh, the world, the, the nation, everything going on with the division in our country would say that we shouldn't be their friends because we're not like them and they're not like us. For many reasons, different generation. We, we just have different beliefs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The list can go on eight years went by from the time that Taylor and I left DC uh, to the time that we went back to DC two weeks ago and we knocked on their door not once or twice because they didn't answer but the third time and when they answered all these thoughts went through my head a lot's happened there's been a lot of division in our world I wonder if we'll still have the same bond that we did when we lived next door and by the way D.C. next door ain't an acre away. D.C. next door is a thin wall away, so we were neighbors. And uh, we saw each other all the time. And and the four of us just had a lovely and amazing time together where we talked about exactly what Tychicus and Paul are exhibiting, this bond, this friendship that, that we are called to see one another and love one another just because, see, too often we identify our friends by our likes, by our generation, by our socioeconomic uh, uh, class, by the things that, that we share in common. But f- the best friendships are sometimes found in surprising places. And it's, it was that way for us and our neighbors, something I will never forget and always be grateful for. So who is God sending you to? Maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a colleague, maybe it's a classmate. We are called to be commissioned. Here's the third, so that you may know about us and that he may comfort your heart. So that's the purpose. The purpose is compassion so that you can be a comfort and an encouragement to the church in Ephesus. That's why Tychicus is coming. We need people. We can't just do life with the Lord. He has Put us in this world that is filled with imperfect humans. And he is calling us to lean on them as well. And so Paul sends Tychicus to be a uh, compassionate and comforting presence among them. Proverbs 27:10 uh, says that better a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. Those people that are close by are there for a purpose and for a reason. And, and, and so our mission, our purpose is that we may know about what's going on in each other's lives and also so that we may receive comfort. Bob Moss, many of you know him? He's taught me some things. And uh, many years ago, he, we sat in uh, Rob's fireplace. Ben was there, some others were there. And uh, Bob and his very you know eloquent, simple, Bob Moss Way said, gentlemen, do you know the secret of ministry? And we all piped up because Bob's been in ministry for like 60 years. So I'm like, I wanna know the secret. And he said, the secret to ministry is hanging out. It's being present. It's being available. It's just being there. Some of you know what that's like when you've experienced tragedy and you've been ministered to by the presence of a good friend. Not necessarily their words or their advice or even their prayers, but just their presence. That's what good friends do. They show up with compassion. Who do you need to sit with? Who do you need to just be with and hang out with? Bob knows a lot of secrets because he's been at this for a long time. And the most important secret that he will tell you right off the bat is that the secret to being a good friend, the secret to knowing someone intimately is to be known by Jesus and to abide, to remain in his love, which is the way that I wanna close not only this message, but this entire series in John chapter 15, Jesus is talking to his friends, to his disciples right before he goes to the cross. He's giving him his final words. And he says this in John 15, verse nine, as the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So everything that Paul has written in Ephesus is not Paul himself writing. It's the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul. It's Jesus speaking to us so that our joy may be complete. In us and may be complete. Verse 12, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. He was candid. Everything. He has made known to us. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. We're called to be a good friend to those around us. But first, let's receive God's friendship through Jesus. Because let's put those four uh, um, points on, on the board, please. Uh, he cared for us so much so that he sacrificed his own life. And there's no greater love than sacrificing your life for your friends. He cared for us. He was candid. He says, hey, if you remain in me, I will remain in you. Friendship with me means obeying. It means living differently from the world and following my way because trust me, it's the best for you. The Father sent Jesus, and as the Father sent Jesus, Jesus sends us. We are commissioned, but the Father first commissioned the Son to come and rescue us from our darkness, from our mess, like Emily was talking about, from our sin. And last of all, compassion. He is the Lord of compassion. No matter how far we may feel like we are from the Lord right now, we serve a compassionate, God. And so per, per, perhaps for you this morning, worship team, you can come back up. It, it, it's, it's receiving that friendship. Maybe you know Jesus. Maybe you, you prayed that prayer a long time ago, but, but you feel far away from him. My friends, this is a safe place. We are all imperfect. And today could be the day for you to receive that gift of friendship from him and sense that peace, sense that comfort that only he can provide for you. Or, or maybe this is the day where you say yes to Jesus for the very first time as your Lord and Savior, whether you, this is all brand new to you or whether you have been you know, seeking out God and spirituality and all this stuff. I want you to know that, that Jesus was a real person. He was totally God and he was totally human. And he lived the perfect life that you and I could not so that we can have this abundant life here on earth and then forevermore. And he wants to use you. He wants to give you a purpose and a meaning. And then for the rest of us, perhaps it's, it's just showing up for that one person, those two people breaking out of our comfort zones and uh, being a good friend the way that Jesus was a good friend for us. Let's pray. Thank you, God, that friends know one another and uh, you call us a friend, and so we are all personally known by you. It's amazing for us to even think about, but we (laughs) have experienced that this is true and real. And so come, Holy Spirit, as we close out, as we worship, as we thank you for what you are doing. We have open hearts, open ears, to hear what you, our friend, wants to tell us. Lord, we're hearing how you wanna use us in this dark and broken and lonely world. And We thank you that you are enough. And Lord, if that's us, if we this morning are broken and lonely, man, we're in the right place because this is your house where we can receive from you. So Lord, if there's anyone in the house that is ready and feels compelled by your Holy Spirit to give their life over to you, you've made it simple. You say, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that you lived a perfect life. You died the death we deserved and you promise us everlasting life. That's it. And for those of us who just need you, Lord, this is the time we're willing to receive. We pray this in the mighty name, in our friend's name, Jesus.